to Life of Die, the podcast which discusses all things RPG and wargaming related. Tonight we're going to be talking about the recent Alien role-playing game uh, that came out about a year and a half ago, I think it was. And for this conversation, I'm joined by Craig once again, and I'm joined by Chris. Hello. How are you? So this is an introductory podcast to the Alien game. My friend Chris here has been GMing a lot of Aliens since it came out. He's run the cinematic scenarios and he's also written a, his own campaign. I think we've run about 40 sessions this year. As much as that. It doesn't it doesn't seem like that much, but it probably probably up there. Because <laughs> yeah. I was I was looking through my old um all my old documents that I'd created, but I knew some of them had run for like three or four sessions and things like that. So yeah, it's probably getting up, up to about forty sessions. And I'm started writing the next part as well. So yeah, I've been a busy boy. <laughs> nice. I'm looking forward to getting back into it again when, when you read it. So you're probably the person best placed to tell us how you found you. I mean, you found out about Alien before we did. Well, we only found out through you, really. I think. Yeah. So yeah, how, how did you find out about it in the, the first instance? Just casually browsing through Facebook one day, came across a post by um, Beasts of War where they were. It was announcing a new RPG coming out by a company called Free League. And it was Alien, the first thing that caught my eye. I was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> Massive fan of the franchise and first two films. So, yeah, just kind of found it through that. And it was available for pre-order. And I didn't hesitate. And just seen the art cover artwork. And I was like, that's going to be amazing. Even just to have the book if no one was going to play it. But I knew a couple of you guys would have been interested. So <laughs> I just I just went for it and pre-ordered the, the whole starter set. She came with a lovely big map, dice, decks of cards, character sheets, cinematic campaign, and the full hardback rule set as well. So yeah, that was I was just instantly hooked. I was like, that would be that's something I want to do because I'd been thinking about GMing something for a while through playing Star Wars with you. So yeah, it was just that was it. It was like the the beacon that appeared. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that was. Am I right in saying that that was probably the first time that you'd actually bought a role-playing game? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, well, I'd bought a couple of rule books in the past. Right. I, oh, I can't remember. It was, it was a zombie apocalypse one, but the rules were just too complicated and didn't make sense to me at the time, and I just couldn't get behind it and didn't have the urge to kind of to push it forward as such. But with Alien, it just kind of grabbed me and... Like I, I knew quite a lot about the background and the the lore um, of the universe, so yeah, I had plenty of inspiration for it. So yeah, that was the first that was the first time I'd kind of picked up an RPG system and like ran with it. Yeah, and I think Craig probably agree with me. The two of us obviously because we played sessions with you before the pandemic happened face to face. Yeah, before we were forced online, but did see the, the hardback book and the the maps and the art and all that and it was really high quality i thought the the real bit yeah it's, it's pretty pretty nice yeah it's a nice thing just to have sitting on your shelf let alone something to play because like you say the artwork and it's stunning it's, it's i still pick it up even though we haven't played in about six months or something i still pick it up occasionally and have a look through it just just to get inspiration and ideas mm. and they've recently released destroyer of worlds as well 
which is another cinematic scenario, kind of pre-generated characters and things like that. So, yeah, that's something else that's on the cards for the future for us. Yeah, as soon as we both... As soon as we both mentioned cinematic and the campaign, I, th- I think probably be an idea to explain what those two things are in terms that it's not familiar with the game. Yeah, so basically there's two play styles within the rule set here. You've got cinematic, which is a, it's meant to go over maybe one to three sessions, depending on how brutal you are as a GM. <laughs> you are. Well, you just lasted quite a decent amount of time, I'd say. Well, most of us did. One of, one of us didn't. One of us was dying every other week. <laughs> I don't think he learned very much throughout the campaign. But um, aye, so cinematics are basically what they sound like. It's like a film. It's where you've got a story and it's hard, quick action and it's just constant and the tension just keeps building and basically it's designed so that your players die at the end of it pretty much that's that's all it is it's basically like a horror film sci-fi it's like somebody's just picked you up and dropped you into the universe and this scenario and see what happens and it's usually bloody and a lot of death (laughs) so yeah that's that's one of the play styles and the other one's like a kind of sandbox campaign style play where you as a GM will create your own universe, your own situation for your players to be in and let them go free and do what they want within the universe or try and railroad them as best you can. But you probably know, Gordon, that does never works out too well. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the other play style is the campaign, which is what we've been running for the majority of our sessions now. Yep. And it's kind of a slow burner. So you'll start off as just kind of very basic introductory characters and the story will grow from there just like many other rpgs yep definitely and from memory as well on the the rule book there's three different types of campaign that you can run is that right yeah it it tells you to kind of let your players decide on a, a kind of genre within the universe if you want so there could be the three options that give you is colonial marines which is you imagine is going to be combat and all that good stuff and loads of quotes from the films getting flung about. <laughs> the other option is for used to be space truckers, which is kind of more along the lines of the first film, where you're a crew on a on a ship doing various jobs. And the other options to be colonists setting up on a planet or in the middle of a new operation, things like that. So it gives you kind of three three standard settings from for you to pick from and I think I've done that with you guys before we started I asked like what do you want as players do you want to be the soldiers or do you want something a wee bit more uh, civilian and you just landed on the old space truckers which was good uh, it gives you a lot of kind of options for exploration and different settings so it's not always combat orientated yeah I mean that that was actually one of the things I referred to in the family's listen to the the last uh, podcast which is to do with cyberpunk had different types of groups in it and one of the things that I suggested that's a good thing as a GM to do is actually ask the players what kind of campaign they want to play because you might have ideas as a GM what kind of game you want to run but I think that was a really good thing what you did because it meant we were buying into it more because it wasn't like you were telling us right this is what you are doing in this campaign I've decided you'll be space truckers yeah I thought that was a really good thing Craig you were you know in the same group as me um so what was your own feeling in that? Yeah, it's, it's good to obviously not be railroaded too much, but obviously have a, 
a kind of understanding of what you're going to be, what you, what you want to do and you know where you want to take your characters and such so yeah no it's it's, it's really clean the way they've done it yeah that's it's like one of the kind of first pages in the the GM section of the book. It's like find out what your players are happy doing, because as you say, ultimately that will get them more invested in it, and they'll feel more a part of the whole process. So yeah, I really like that element of it myself. It makes it easier for a GM as well because you're you know what your players want, and it's easier to tailor the the scenarios and the storyline to kind of what they're expecting from the game. No, definitely. And yeah, you, as I say, you did it really well. So it was, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was a great campaign and I'm looking forward to packing up again the next time. I suppose one of the things that might be a bit unusual for a game about Alien is that you probably want to use the Alien fairly sparingly. You don't really want it yeah. appearing in most sessions because it's just going to, it's not going to be interesting anymore. It's not going to be frightening because you're just like, oh, it's Alien again. <laughs> yeah. So, is that without getting too much into the GM side of things, do they give you, you know, some background material for other things that you can do in the universe, or is it really because the, the films are fairly, I would say, they're fairly limited in the in the backs, you know, kind of the, yeah. the universe building. Yeah. They tend to be all quite contained. The first one's all in the Stromo, the second one's all in the Colony, yeah. Third one's in the prison, and so on. There's not really like a a lot of from memory from the films. There's not really a lot of stuff that explains the actual universe and how it works. Potentially, if there's other creatures or other alien, dangerous aliens and things like that. Yeah. Does the book flesh any of that out at all? Yeah, the the book's got a whole load of like information in it about this universe and the different governments. It it seems to put a lot of emphasis on the government and the corporations that are all kind of backstabbing one another and trying to outdo one another. Like it's there's a whole section in the book. And of course there's a there's a link to Blade Runner, of course, with Alien as well. Potentially it's the same universe. So that would be picking up some of the, the strands maybe from Blade Runner that, you know, obviously the, the Tyrell Corporation in the first one, I can't remember what the company was. Or Wallace it was Wallace said it was a one in 2049 so i suppose that with the link to those universes then it would be a natural progression that it, they eventually become you know the blade runner universe grows into the wayland jutanis of the universe yeah there's there is a lot of on the, there's a facebook group for this rpg for gms and players um basically just to discuss and ask questions and there's always a lot of posts about where they get their inspiration and things like that from and other films and franchises that kind of seem to fit into the Alien universe and Blade Runner's one of the ones that always crops up. The Madden Total Recall would probably work quite nicely as well. Yeah, probably, yeah. Selling air to the mutants. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, it's right up the same street, so. Are we not talking about our characters? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, only some of you are mutants. <laughs> No, but I the, the RPG the, the the main book gives you like a wealth of possible storylines. It gives you information on some of the key characters as well from from the films, like Bishop and things like that. What he done after because it picks up, eh, not Bishop, sorry, it picks up just after Alien Three. That's one of it, that's where it's set, and one of the characters in Aliens, Van Leeuwen, it gives you information about him. And what what happened to him after after the events of Aliens when 
you know, he set up the colony on there on LV426 and he kind of had a bit of a U-turn and things like that, according to the book, and he's out trying to prove what had actually happened and things like that, and looking for proof of these the xenomorphs, and so there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of background there. Someday should have nailed him to the goddamn wall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I mean, they, they also had the, the Galaxy map, which was really nice. It was a, yeah. Is that about A3, A2 or something? It was a really large map. Uh, A, A1, it's it's massive. Um, but aye, that's that as well. They cover in the book, they, it's broken down into different sectors. And in the book, they cover each sector on that map and some of the key locations, like planets. And it gives you a little bit of background about what happens, what that planet was famous for, or if it's LV426, like alien creatures that are, I think you faced one of them uh, in one of the second uh, sessions that we'd done, where, where Tom lost his first character. I think I was safely on the ship playing music. Yeah, 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 you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, My character was told to stay behind and be ready to take off, so he started playing uh, dance music. We used the radio back, and I had in the meantime loaded this up on YouTube, and uh, so that when you spoke to me, the music kicked <laughs> yeah, in at the same time. That, that's that's some of the things I miss about playing face to face. Like you don't get that same sort of interaction with your players. Like some of some of that's a wee bit lost, mm. um, and you don't get to see the reactions on their faces when you kill them. So that's just, that's another bit of a a downside. But yeah, it must be for you. Aye, definitely. <laughs> It just takes the fun out of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Back back to the topic about creatures. So yeah, there's it gives you information and in all the all the alien kind of variants and things that you've seen in the films and through some of the comics and gives you a lot of information about how they're they reproduce and all that sort of stuff. And again, yeah, there's tons, absolutely tons of stuff to to get your teeth into and get your ideas going. No, oh, nice. Well, I suppose then. Probably the best place to start as an introductory is, is to maybe talk about some of the different characters yeah. that you can take as, as, a, as a player. Yep. Hold on, yeah, just find the page. What was your character, Craig, while, while Chris is looking? Yeah, so for the first campaign, I was a corporate, uh, corporation agent. Brooke. <laughs> so um a bit of like a sleazeball Burke type character, yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of d- didn't really want to play it straight as such in the way that he's normally or in the way that characters normally been portrayed in the movies so i went for a bit more of a an actual nice guy but still was completely untrusted by everyone and yeah it was it was quite interesting when trying trying to play that character in that way as it is, it is all kind of geared up to you being a bit of a sleazeball and backstabbing and stuff and it's something i guess it's something we can talk about is that is that kind of almost kind of hidden traitor role that or, or or traitor role in plain sight a lot of the time, which is quite an interesting one to have in a, in a game like this, especially if you're meant to be in a, a cohesive band. Yeah, and, you know, on a quest, it doesn't really doesn't really work if if one of them's trying to trying to upset the apple cart a bit too much. But but yeah, it worked out quite well. And then eventually, when he died a, a heroic death, it was uh, I took up the role of an android, and they and they play. A bit differently as well. They've got their own mechanics surrounding that, and it's quite an interesting one. It's, it's, I guess, it's one that you need to have everyone on board with doing. It's probably not one you want to do straight out, straight out the gate. 
but yeah, it's quite, it takes away a lot of the key mechanics that make the game really interesting, like the the kind of stress and panicking that kind of thing. They're kind of taken away from you, but you also get massive buffs to your your strength and other stats. But yeah, it's a it's quite a, quite a difficult one to play, I think. That's actually a good point, Craig. You probably should have mentioned about the, the basic mechanics before we get into the kind of detail of the different characters. There's four key attributes from memory, is that right, Chris? Yeah, that's right. So your key key attributes, strength, agility, empathy, and wits. And then within each of those, there's three kind of subcategories. So within your strength, you've got heavy machinery, close combat, and stamina. Like heavy machinery is used for operating all sorts of things from like manual door releases, using tools, all that sort of thing. Stamina, kind of self-explanatory in close combat. In your agility, you have ranged combat, mobility and piloting. Again, self-explanatory. And empathy, it's more your kind of, your ability to manipulate people, give commands or kind of perform medical aid. And that's your three kind of subcategories in that. And wits is your general observation, survival as well, which I don't think is something I ever really brought into into the campaign is the whole kind of having to eat food and drink water and all that sort of stuff. It was about the nature of, of, of what we were doing though, because we tended to wake up and as soon as we woke up, it was you know, like the on on board on the straw when it's breakfast time, you go and have that. Aye. So we were always actually, I think we did usually say that's what we were doing at the start of as soon as we came out of hypersleep. So it didn't really come into to play. Yeah. But yeah, that's really all the stat, the skills, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. We were talking about cyberpunk last night, and there's about seventy skills or something like that, and probably more. All right. So that's one of the things I really liked about Alien was. Yeah. That's all you've got to think about. You've got the four attributes, and within those, you've got three subcategories. Yeah, and even if you don't have the main attribute it's asking you to roll, you just roll your base, what it comes under, because some people don't have things like piloting as a skill. I don't have the skill of the default to the attribute. Exactly, yeah. So it's even if you're you're crap at doing something, you don't have that skill, you can still roll for it and give it a, give it a go, because that's one of the other things. There isn't really a difficulty level when you're rolling dice, it's a D6 system. You roll however many dice is relevant to the level of your attribute. So say you had agility f- 3, you would roll 3D6 and any 6 you should get on that as a, an instant success. So you're not needing to add anything up. It's just you're looking for 6s. If you get a 6, it's good. That's it. So it's, it's quite streamlined. Yeah, I always liked that. But you knew as soon as you rolled the dice whether you passed or not because... yeah. Again, in this, the D6, we used Star Wars D6, and that, and that was all about difficulty target numbers. So you had to add, if you had three dice you were rolling, you had to add them all together, which is fine for two or three dice, but once you were getting the <laughs> seven dice and so on, which you just did, yep. it became a you know a mathematical exercise a lot of the time. <laughs> just one of the advantages of online play, because when we started playing online, nobody had to worry about that because it was I on. just done it for you. Yeah, so... Sorry, yeah. So I, I just thought I thought that was something that was really good about the the, the system that it was there was so few. I don't mean few skills in a bad way. I think it's a really positive thing. It's nice and clean. You know that it comes under that, and all you have to do is get a six, and you've you've passed basically. That that was really it. Yeah, I think I think it's a kind of running theme with this with this game and its and its design compared to the kind of RPGs of the the late eighties and nineties is that it's it's kind of it's kind of pared down 
to just what you need and without being over the top in any any of its kind of areas and it and it just works really nicely it's really easy to pick up and it's kind of almost self-explanatory the whole way along i think it's been done that way dm section it's like don't make your players roll dice all the time for everything it's like like for something special like something they've never done before or if they're trying to fix a computer system or something for running down a corridor or unless it's like a this is like a stressful situation Speaking of tension, the thing that's really sets the game aside from all, all others, and it, and I think it's, I think it's a brilliant thing because it, it plays into the themes of the film, where it's, you know, the, like the Lamberts in particular of the series, you know, ones that get a bit hysterical. There's a, a mechanic built into it for stress. Maybe you can say a bit about that, Chris, because it's really brilliant. Yeah, that's as you say, that's the kind of key element in this game that sets it apart from from any other game I've ever played. Is as you say, a stress mechanic. So. Each time you you've got the ability to push a roll. So say you were frantically trying to open a door to get away from something, or or to close a door, for example, that was needing a manual crank, and you roll and you fail. You've got the ability to push a roll, which you take a point of stress, and that gives you another dice, which is a different color from from the your normal black dice that you use. And the one on this dice is a face hugger symbol, which will which basically means you've fucked up. So if you if you roll a one on this dice, your character's basically panicking. And the more of these stress dice you get, the higher the chance you've got of panicking. And as you can probably say, it, it does get out of control quite quickly. And it, it just keeps building and building until you just get a chance to calm down or you survive the situation. So And obviously the higher your stress level, there's a table for it. When you panic, you add your current kind of stress level and what your panic role is together, and it gives you a value. I'm probably not explaining this too well, but <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, there's a table, and you'll see how far you go, and each one, each level's got a different kind of level of panic to it. Obviously, the higher the number, the, the worse it gets. Yeah, you start dropping weapons and things like that. Yeah. And at the extreme end, you can end up a total gibbering wreck, really, can't you? That's... Totally, yeah. Yeah. I think a few of you have panicked in number of, a number of occasions. No, definitely. Once the action tension ratchets up, it's, it seems okay at the start. Like the start, you're thinking, yeah, I can afford to take this panic. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. But it doesn't take too much, especially when you're you're, you're starting to push rolls all the time. If you feel, and you do, and you feel a lot when you're at, you know, you're starting out, obviously. But yeah, when you're pushing those rolls and then it, you're adding a point of stress every time you do that, then the, the panic can really get out of control actually relatively quickly, depending on what the situation is. So yeah, it was always a lot of fun in it, but it, it brought a level of tension into the game anyway without you, because you didn't want to get out of control with your panic and we were always looking for the, the magic tablets that take away all the panic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely brought the attention to the game as as a player, which is what, exactly what you want at the table for Alien because it should be a tense experience. And I, I don't know how it how other games compare. And I definitely feel that the the stress is a lot higher in Alien than than any other games. And I think that's appropriate. That's good. That's exactly what you want for the for the uh, the game. It's in the setting rather. Yeah, and it's not just pushing the rolls as well that gets you stress points. It's like seeing things yeah. that are are quite horrific, like finding a dead body or, or something like that, or seeing one of your friends getting injured. It's down to the GM basically to dish out the stress points when he sees fit. Yeah, 
to get the tension going and get people starting to worry. So yeah, it's, that's one of the other things about it as well is as a GM, it does make you feel quite bad at times. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't show it, right? But <laughs> it does have you like, makes you out to be a bit of a bastard at times because you're you're actively trying to kill your players, basically. <laughs> Which is something that's not really encouraged in an RPG, but yeah, it's like it's designed for you not to survive, so it's kind of puts you in the spot as well as a GM. So I just I'd like to thank you for sticking with me for so, for so long. Well, to me, it was really the cinematic that was that was the most deadly, and and I felt the campaign. It was always better to err on the side of caution. I think. Yeah. In the campaign, and I think so long as we weren't being completely gung ho then we actually did survive a long time, so I wouldn't say that you were. You did die. You do have to dial it back in the campaign massively. In the cinematic, you mean? No, no, in the campaign. Like, you have to you have to kind of dial back the brutality of it a little bit. Oh, sorry. I thought you said, I thought you said die a lot. Sorry. Yeah. All oh, right, no, no. Yeah, dial it back. Yeah, you, because otherwise you would just have players dying all the time, like Tom. <clears throat> Hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I'm sure he will. <laughs> I mean, he's he's went through so many characters, but I think that's the kind of player he is. He likes the he likes the whole character generation and getting right into it and just doing what a naive kind of person would do in a situation like that. So it's kind of yeah, he kind of puts himself in the moment. Yeah, it keeps it, it keeps it fresh from I suppose that. Whereas I I'm kind of the opposite. I, I always want my character to survive and yeah, yeah. I, I quite like having them conniving behind the scenes and. <laughs> Yeah, there was always a story behind what I was up to in that I was in the company's side at the start of it, but it was because the company had information about my missing sister, which was in my background. And so my character was doing things that wouldn't, I wouldn't say they were, well, I wasn't trying to kill the team, put it that way, but at the same time, I wasn't particularly worried because it, the ends justified the means. You were trying to pin everything on, on Craig's character though, weren't you, Gordon? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> because he was a company agent and it was a great stool for me. Perfect fit. Yeah. Scapegoat. Especially the, the night where uh, I, can't, I can't remember, I, I think I accused him of something and, and he just accepted it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was me that had done it, which was, that was my favourite night. It was about him getting up and up and down all night. <laughs> That's right. No, it's because I, I, think, I, think, I think I'd just genuinely not been paying attention that yeah. night. I think you'd had a few beers, Craig. Yeah, I think I had a few beers as well, and I, and I just didn't remember genuinely if that was something that had been we discussed or not. So I just went along with it, um, but then I couldn't get back out of it. That was quite funny. I was just sitting there like, "What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> so was I, because I was just like, "I've I've made all this. I've framed him, and he's like totally accepting the situation. What is going on? Like, why is he doing that? I don't like." So then I started thinking, actually, he must have been getting up during hypersleep as well, <laughs> and he's been. Up to no good. <laughs> so, so I thought it was actually two of us in the crew that were, were, were had secret agendas against everybody else, but uh, it was really just me. But as I say, I wasn't out to get them. And I, and I did, my character came round and started getting attached to the crew as well. Maybe didn't come across that way, but it actually that was the case. And he didn't, he started feeling bad and trying to backtrack and get them out of the, the problems that had started. So yeah. And it was it was difficult for you as a, a GM because but we did talk about it at the start. I think I did say about all this and I said I didn't want characters to be insta killed because anything that yeah. it's obviously I'm going to create problems for the team, but there should always be a way out of it. And you know, I would if it came to somebody having to sacrifice himself, hope you know, I would 
I wouldn't let them die on my account as it were. So yeah, it's it's just getting the it's just getting the balance right for that kind of thing because it is difficult. It, it can totally go the wrong way. Yeah. Because you you just don't want that to happen to your your team that that they get wiped out because of something you've been up to in the game rather than a, a challenge that the GMs created. Aye, I mean that whole situation with you and the murder that took place on the station as well that you had done, and then it turned you, you pinned that on Craig as well <laughs> <laughs> because there'd been two murders on the station. <laughs> And it just it just kind of fortified everyone's mistrust in his character and kind of signed his death warrant as such. <laughs> that wasn't the reason he got killed off, though. It was nothing to do with that, was it? No, no, I went out. He went, went out, out in a blaze of glory. That's right. Yeah. Dragged into a vent. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the one of the longest surviving members of the original crew, actually. At that point. Yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob and Carol's characters are the. The two. Yeah, they yeah they, they were fairly cowardly though in the yeah they play it safe. <laughs> I'm sure Which... they'd like you to hear this. <laughs> well, find out if they're listening to it or not. <laughs> in, in fairness, my character got his come up, and so uh, I was I was the first one to get it against the alien. So I was actually quite pleased. That was a good way to go. That was a good death to, and he did he did actually try and save the group in his death. So I felt there was a wee bit of uh, try to redeem himself as well, which was a, yeah. a kind of nice end to his kind of character arc as it were. Never found out what happened to his sister though, so that was that was the only thing that was upsetting about it. After all, all that that he did, <laughs> it came to nothing. I know. That was like one of the the integral parts of the kind of story as well. What, where she was and what she's doing. I won't say too much because I don't want to don't want to spoil anything for the next sessions, but aye, it was that was a bit of a blow as the the GM when that happened as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't deliberately. No, no, I know. You know, I, I wasn't deliberately trying to get him killed off. My, my fault as well for killing you. I could have plot armor and kept you alive, but that's just the kind of guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> I could think his time had come. He, he, he did deserve it anyway, so it was it was fair enough. I, I was totally at peace with it. Yeah, so. it was quite an abrasive player or character rather sorry you, you play it so well Gordon thank you <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're getting off this the subject here so bringing it back to the the core rules I suppose the next thing that we have mentioned about the basics of the rules been through that would be the, the character types of the different roles you can play in the game aye so once you've kind of decided on the genre that you want to play in the space truckers or marines that you can go on to kind of pick your characters so it gives you a, a list of kind of basic pre-types for you so you've got colonial marine colonial marshal basically the kind of police officer or detective type character company agent which you alluded to craig has been quite a difficult one to play because you've got the the instant kind of stigma attached to you that you're going to screw everyone over Following on from that, you've got the kid, kind of newt of the world, and medic. And you've also got an officer, basically for, that could fit into any of the kind of genres, really, whether you're a space trucker or a, a marine or... So like Dallas and an Apon. Yeah, exactly, like Dallas or maybe even some of the guys that you see in, in the colony at the start of Aliens, kind of working in the office. You've got pilots, which you played Gordon, as you know. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yep. And Roughnecks, which is the next one. It's basically your kind of, your workers. 
guys working down in the, the workings of the ships or working on the colony machinery and things like that. Just your kind of average Joes. Yep. Brett and Parker. Yep, Brett and Parker. Next one, scientists. Oh, that's the last one, sorry. Scientist. Which you don't really see an awful lot of in, in aliens. Maybe the medical officer, Ash, fall into this category. Maybe Bishop, even though they're androids, but you get the kind of idea. Yeah. So yeah, and then within all of these kind of characters, you've got a thing called your personal agenda. Now, that comes into play on both the cinematic style scenarios or the campaign. In the cinematic, it will be a short-term kind of goal. Like, basically, survive, make sure, try and kill as many people as you can, (laughs) all that sort of stuff. And that's something that's personal to your character and something you want to achieve. But when it comes into, like, a campaign, it'll be more of a long-term kind of goal that you, or something you want to aspire to during the game. So, for example, the company agent. It tries to give you some some hints on the difficult ones like this, like the company agent, where you're going to be instantly accused of any foul play. It tries to give you like other personal agendas, like the company's holding back information from you, like you need to find out what it is and why, or you're a nice guy but the company's blackmailing you to do dirty work, kind of like your situation, Gordon. Yep. So yeah, it gives you like kind of things for you to play with and use during your kind of sessions, things for you to develop your character. And each each kind of character type's got a different um, personal agenda that they can choose, or you can make up your own. You don't need to go with the ones it's, it's telling you here. Yeah. This is just giving you ideas. You do in the cinematic, obviously, because that's a short game. It's a one yeah. off, well, I say it's a one-shot, but it, it can be like, as you say, between one and three sessions. But yeah, you've got a very short, immediate agenda, but the campaign, you can really let your imagination fly. So, I mean, I don't think it was anything that was in my, I don't know, maybe it was, I can't really remember offhand, but I don't think it was anything that was suggested to me as a pilot that you had a, a lost sister. I think that might have been something that I, I made up. No, that was something you, you made up on your own, off your own back. Because I know we had a, a good discussion before we started playing about things that you'd want to do and you were, I know you were saying that you didn't want to kind of send anyone to their death or anything like that. So that was, was things for me to kind of work with as well. And these these things do help your your GM when you've got like a backstory that you're thinking of and what you want to achieve. I mean, it helps kind of form the campaign as such. I mean, Craig, what was what was your personal agenda as as Brooke? Yeah, again, that that was one that I don't I don't think there was really one that suited them down to a T, because I was trying to play it kind of straight, I guess. Or, or not kind of straight, but as genuinely as a nice guy. <laughs> they accused of being a serial killer and all sorts. Yeah, there was, his, his personal agenda was to, to make make the family and, and the company proud of him. So I, I don't think that was taking one of the kind of default ones. But yeah, I, th- I think it, it, yeah, it, it's possible to do it, I think, still, to, to actually be a, <laughs> a company agent and still not be a total traitor. It was a bit late, yeah. It was a shame that it took um, it, it took Hardy's death. Yeah, it's a bit late. <laughs> and they read his memoirs that they found out that you were actually a good guy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a genuine genuine shocker. I think having the having the real traitor being someone else on the team. The thing that I enjoyed most about it was I was wearing the whale and Yutani cap every week at the sessions, even though you even though you'd worked for a different company and all that. Essentially saying, I'm the traitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
so you've got personal agendas. Um, they've got a signature item. So again, this is something you can come up with yourself or it gives you examples. So there's like employee of the year award, things like that for the company agent. That's his thing that he's got. It's like yours was your cap, Gordon. Oh no, it was a, it was a little spinning. Yeah. It was like a fidget spinner type thing that you used. Oh yeah, there was a, was it, what are they called? Desktop dancers or something? Yeah, I. So the part, it gives you like kind of tailored ones to each of the, the character types. Like the kid, he's got his lunchbox covered in stickers or his favourite doll or action figure, like Newt with Casey. So yeah, signature item, that's another one of the, getting back into the kind of rules, that's something that you can interact with to kind of calm yourself down when the stress is getting out of control. As long as it's, obviously, as long as it's a kind of quiet situation, you're not in danger, you can bring out like that photograph of your lover or whatever and look at it and try and bring yourself back down to earth. Yeah, it's really nice because it's a, it tells you something about the character and it actually has a real purpose in the game. Most times when you do things like that in games, they've got no real purpose other than just to you know tell you something about the character itself. So it's really nice that it's got that dual thing about the signature item. Uh, it's, that's a good, it's one of the good elements. Also, it gives you your kind of appearance, but that's something you as a a player can decide yourself. I know like you guys like to find pictures and things like that that represent your characters. And then it gives you a list of gear that you start with. So you'll start with some cash. It's usually like a, a D6 times 100 or 2D6 times 100, something like that. And then it gives you a kind of list of things that you start with. So, for instance, the medic here, you get a surgical kit, nap relief, personal med kit. And like a hand radio. So yeah, it gives you a wee list of, of things to get started. And it also gives you a list of kind of key attributes, key skills, and your career talents. And that's something that's kind of unique to your character. So like each character type gets a, a certain talent that they can use. So the officer gets one called Field Commander. It basically gives him a special ability where he can issue orders to people who are lower in rank to him so basically he'll do an empathy role to try and and that other character will have to perform his action or do what he says basically so yeah there's there's it gives you plenty of stuff to get going and there's also a bunch of pre-generated characters that that come with the the starting cinematic that's included in the the main rule book bob ran for us yeah hadley's hope it's basically the events before the aliens film where you take on the role as the colonists but yeah there's it gives you a bunch of pre-generated characters at the back so things that you could use as a gm yeah we'll just yeah loads of stuff there and and the um character was it character talents are called sorry yeah they're really good as well because they, they, they give you kind of good stunts i suppose that you can do in the game yeah i seem to recall i was able to fly the ship really fast and suddenly put the foot down and things like that yeah, I can't remember exactly all the all the talents I had. Aye, there's 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 loads. And there's general ones as well, isn't there? That you can Yeah, there's there's career talents which are specific to your character type, and then there's general talents which anyone can pick from. And you get them through gaining experience throughout the campaign. So you get experience points you can spend it trying to learn a new skill or talent. Yeah, so aye, there's there's a there's a plethora of uh, talents for you to look through and they all do different things. Like say something to do with piloting. Some of them are they're like to do with combat. So yeah, there's there's tons. 
and I seem to recall a second character, the Colonial Marine. He had he had banters was one of his yeah. talents where it where Crack he can some jokes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like when it leaves the tension for for everybody else. And you'd mentioned Napoli there when you're talking about the, the I think it was the science officer, or the, sorry, the, the medic rather. And that, that was the, the tablets I was talking about that can just take away all your stress. But then there's an outside you can get addicted to them or something, doesn't there? Or... Yeah, the, the more of them that you take, they start to have a downfall. So if you, if you start taking them very regularly during a session, they'll start affecting your, your mobility and things like that. You become like so relaxed or basically like or like drugs that calm you down so the more of these you take you're just going to become like melted into your seat basically so um <laughs> yes there's positive and negatives to using these sort of things but yeah there's again i could go through the whole book here and be here for hours but there's there are other other things in there medicines and drugs and things in the universe that you can use to help or uh, hinder <laughs> certain people so yeah, there's plenty in there. No, definitely. So hopefully that covers all the basics of the game. And I think in future ones, we maybe talk a bit from the, the GM side of things and how you go about running the cinematics, maybe briefly, because it's, it's pretty much all set out for you in the book. Yeah. And But probably more interestingly, how you design the alien campaign and how you know you, you don't overuse the alien and how you what kind of storylines you can put into the game and, and how to keep it interesting for the players and that, that is one of the key things i think for a campaign is to not use the alien and try and hold back on making a, an appearance from it as you said at the start of the when we started talking about this is where do you go once you've once you've brought it in so yeah definitely thanks very much both of you for joining us for this chat and we'll be back again soon so until next time, keep living the life of die. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.